Toon lovers, welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Do you like beans? Would you like to see a new movie starring George Went? I'm Micah. Uh, yes, and... Eh? <laughs> I'm Matsy. <gasps> this is a podcast where we give each other cartoons to watch and then recap, review, and discuss them the following week. And the theme this time is parodies, either parody shows or parody episodes or whatever. I told Micah that he had to watch an episode of The Simpsons and he made me watch an episode, supposedly, of <laughs> Dexter's Laboratory. We'll get there. But first, um, do you have anything that you'd like to say, Micah? Okay. Um... Have you heard of the concept of quiet quitting? Like, I feel like I've seen that, like, within the last week or two. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we live in interesting times now where after COVID and people being off or or working from home, a lot of people just just decided, you know what, I don't want to go back to work. Um, But there's another option called quiet quitting where you don't actually quit. You just put in the minimal effort. Yeah. So, yes, uh, I would like to proudly announce that I'm quiet quitting my job. Ooh. Yeah. All right. You said that out loud, huh? Yeah. I, I, out loud for everyone to hear. I'm quiet quitting. All right. So that means you're putting in the minimal effort in this podcast. Guess it's my <laughs> turn for the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my job. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. I guess I need to pay you for that. Okay, no, carry on. Um, by the way, if anybody from work is listening, that's a comedy bit. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, okay, it's September. And as the prophecy foretold, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean is back. Hey. Finally, it's back. Um, <sighs> and it appears like it's a big episode dump like the first time. But once again, I'm limiting myself to one episode a day. So, yeah, it's good times. JoJo's back. Uh, I kind of would have liked a new opening credits, but there are like little differences in it. They do this sometimes in JoJo where there will be like a slight difference to the credits. At this point, it's not a surprise, right? It happens so often. Um, Right. uh, This one's a little more subtle, I guess, because it was sort of in lieu of a new credits. Anyway, the song is good. That's fine. This season... Begins with like with Joe, it kind of begins in the middle. So, you know, Jolene is caught next to a corpse and she's thrown into like this corrective um, division that's adjacent to the regular prison. Um, So she so the idea is that she's maybe sort of gotten herself purposefully thrown in here in order to pursue her goals. Okay, And. (laughs) The first couple episodes come out with a bang with poop. Oh, yes, poop. Um, hmm. Poop Is gets Bob's burgers. Yes. Well, I figured you're the poop watcher. So. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I had to bring it up. Uh, Jojo's does not shy away from poop. Like hmm. you seldomly see poop depicted in a cartoon or you see it here once in a while. And they huh. come they come right out with it. Um both showing you explicitly, but also having an instance of somebody being trapped in a sewage pipe. So, <sighs> yeah. I'm glad to see that right out of the gate, 
that there is an Hermes uh, related storyline and then that Foo Fighters factor so prominently in these early episodes. Hmm. Hmm. They're they're um, uh, Jolene's uh, teammates, but I sort of had the feeling from the way the last season ended that they were going to focus on two new people. But anyway, I'm glad to see that they're they're back in there. Uh, people only mm-hmm. reminders that people <laughs> people who listen to me but won't watch JoJo's um, Hermes is a, a, a fellow prisoner who uh, uh, her stand is has the ability to lay stickers on things, which then mm-hmm. make duplicates. And when you remove the sticker, the two things violently recombine. So there's like a yeah. variety of different ways to use this power, and. Foo Fighters is just kind of weird. Like her, her powers are water based and largely she just shoots uh, projectiles out of her finger like a like a bullet. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And Foo Fighters is a person, not the band. Yeah, it's I a, should. It's well, a thing in Jojo. Yes. Uh, many characters are named after uh, musicians or songs. Um, by the way, I use terminology like stand. That's mostly what Jojo's is about is uh uh characters who have like a spirit incarnation they can summon no you can't see them unless you yourself have one and uh so yeah it's kind of like fighting through your summon you know um mm. anyway on that point about the weird naming conventions of Jojo right i've I, i've mentioned this before i don't know if it was specifically i can if i specifically connected it to Jojo's but about how Google is a nefarious spoiler of shows, even when you have like inoffensive search terms. Yeah. Right. Like my joke before was looking up somebody's height and they'll say like, oh, he was this height at the time his brother killed him or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, same thing here. Um, They have to localize names differently because they uh, they're very, the, the, the the translators are cautious, right? They they don't want to step on, real world musicians names of the like. Right. Um, huh. so there's one new character, Anastasia, and they're never saying Anastasia. And I'm wondering what the heck are these guys saying? So I looked it up and yeah, there's a spoiler right in the, in the uh, Google summary for one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's terrible. The character, by the way, uh, his name is, uh, Anasui. And they're saying like, mm. well, what is that? Right. Well, that's one of the things that, uh, enters into the Jojo conventions is not only are they named after music things, but they're also named after fashion design things. So it's Anna Sui, the fashion designer. Oh, huh? Yeah. Hence why they changed him to Anastasia instead. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I talk a little bit about some of the negative, uh, in this chapter of Jojo's and sort of overall um, chapters tend to have varying art styles. Okay. So the first two chapters have the same art style, basically. Okay. Um, and then the third chapter looks wildly different, which I guess is fine since the story is wildly different too. Um, but I, I never understand when people, people's opinion is like, wow, this show started looking good here. Because the third mm. chapter looks, it looks weird. Um, like, plenty of the animation is is good, but there's like design oddities. So, the, one of the things is that people's shoulders, especially when clothed, 
are distinct from their torso, kind of like an action figure would have like two swiveling arms attached to their body. Oh yeah. Okay. And almost everybody in, in the third chapter is super muscular. I mean, like even, even like, you know, all this guy's a sailor that's with us. Right. And he's just like, he's just ridiculously muscular. Um, hmm. And as a result, because of this weird compartmentalized shoulder thing, it looks like everybody stretched a shirt over an armchair. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really strange. So then four came out and this design was wildly different. And I think it's overall the best looking, surely the least flawed looking, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't have the kind of weirdness to it. Right. Right. And then when five came out, it was back to the weird shoulders, except that the trend is that there's way fewer hypermuscular characters. Um, characters tend to be lean and model-like. Um, mm. So it looks less weird because it's literally less pronounced, right? Okay. But there's a new weird thing where people from behind, I don't understand this, but like basically it's kind of like there's a connecting line between the points of their shoulder blades. And what it ends up looking like is that they have a pectoral, pectoral line in back. Uh, oh. Which, okay, that looks weird. And it looks especially weird when someone looks back over their shoulder, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so going into this chapter, Stone Ocean, it's that same art style where people just look weird as heck from behind. Hmm. Okay, so so that's one thing that feels like a deficiency to me. And I don't understand it because the uh, Araki, the creator of JoJo's, really developed his art style, right? He got he got good and he has like hyper uh he especially likes the detail of like arm muscles and stuff, and that's all totally accurate. So I don't know where this is coming from, this this weird <laughs> back stuff. Um but also like less to do with what looks like just a deficiency in understanding, but by choice. There's more weird characters. There's always been weird looking characters, but boy, are there some weirdos. <laughs> um, so one of the characters in this, the, 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 the prison chaplain, Poochie. Um, <laughs> well, it's like P-U-C-C-I, like Poochie, you know. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. So his hair is connected to his eyebrows. All right. Now, you know, some people kind of like they need to pluck their eyebrows or they get like a crest, right? <laughs> okay yeah but legitimately he's it's like he shaved it that way to have a weird zigzag from his hair to his to the point of his eyebrow or to the, the arch of it um no oh, hmm. yeah hold on I, I gotta show you just so you know what i'm talking about here i see that I, I did a quick search and see that emilio pucci is an italian fashion designer oh yes yes okay i see it oh what the what wait am i now, am I looking yeah. for a manga or a show? Because it looks like he's got hair, like, all over his face, like a luchador's mask. Oh, he's got, like, like a luchador's mask. He's got, he's got gray hair. And it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, like, yeah, it goes from the sides of his head and then zigzags down to the sides of his chin. But then from his hairline, he's got zigzags that go to his eyebrows. Yeah. And it makes kind of a star. Yeah, I guess so. It kind of like it, it accentuates his cheekbones. Yeah, that's and that's strange. 
It is, isn't it? Right? He's not even really strange for JoJo's, but because... <laughs> oh, shoot. What is this guy's name? Um, Sportsmax. That's the guy. <laughs> okay. So I got an image of this guy. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if you can figure out what's going on with him. All right. This will be a fun game. And I guess, you know, I'll tweet this stuff too, so... <laughs> so you at home can... Okay, Whoa. so there's Sports Max. Huh, okay. Yeah, so what are uh... those? Okay, so he has eyebrows underneath these yellow spots that are on his forehead. And they look an awful lot like their hair. What the heck is going on there? They're not... I guess they're not eyebrows in the conventional sense, because he has eyebrows. What the it, heck are those? It it almost looks like tiny swimming goggles, yellow <laughs> yes. tinted and stuck to his forehead. Or like, oh, you know what it actually looks like? Yeah. It looks like, like big arcade game buttons in the middle of his forehead. Oh, yeah. Like, it would make more sense. <laughs> Whatever. Because I... They look fuzzy a lot of the time to me. So mm. is this just more like hair that gro could grow down from his hairline all the way to his eyebrows and he's just shaped it? Does he like shave his forehead to, <laughs> to make these weird um, tadpoles over top his <laughs> normal eyebrows? Gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to get my brain into the like character designer mindset that would do that. Like... I don't understand. It's like my characters are all going to have the weirdest eyebrows. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like, maybe, maybe if I looked at high fashion, I would know what this is. Like, I would, like, <laughs> I would think, oh, okay, some weirdo walked on a runway with these things. You know, but these guys I'm showing you with their, their weird forehead stuff, that's not yeah. even like the real weirdos of JoJo's. And some of them aren't weird guys. It's just like... I don't know, you know, like in part four, there's a kid that, that I can't remember his name is Shugechi or something, but he, his head's got like spikes on it and that's not <laughs> his hair. He's just got like a spiky urchin head or like <laughs> the warden of this, of dolphin prison in this chapter has like a lemon head <laughs> for, for real. Like, I guess, oh, oh my God. This is this is the great radio of uh, how look at this picture. Um, <laughs> Whoa. What that the work? heck? What the heck is going on here? It's like. Um, gosh. Yeah, like a lemon head, right? This this guy. Yeah, is like I. I'm trying to think of how many steps away, but I don't know that there are any steps away. This is straight up. Just an alien from Dragon Ball. Yeah. And those bulgy eyes. What's what going on? With... This is not a human. Exactly. <laughs> I guess the stands have to be extremely weird to stand out next to people like this. Yeah. This guy would be molesting Doctor Who. Like, <laughs> this guy would be, like, villain number three in the... Uh, the rogues gallery that Duck Twacy is uh, listening yes. off. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a complaint about 
Iraqis developing style that everybody looks the same, right? <laughs> well, I mean, like, like it's kind of true. Uh, for his most recent uh, one, Joe Jolian, he do like a group portrait where it's you know the main character and so like characters of of <laughs> varying gender just all there. It's like, well, these all look the same, like literally, <laughs> until <laughs> the clothes are drawn. Don't know what the one face from another, and yet yeah. they also live in a world with just some of the freakiest weirdos that aren't even aliens or stands or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it keeps things interesting. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and even just like the high fashion is weird too. Like this is a prison. So like early on, uh, well, uh, Ermi's counsels uh, Jolene that she needs money in prison to... to uh, well, to get anything, basically, right? So one of okay. the first things she uses her money on is just to keep wearing her own clothes. And a whole lot of people at Green Dolphin Prison must have paid this because there's just some weird darn fashions in that place. Um, <laughs> I guess you can... <laughs> it's your way of spotting the NPCs versus... The the the, the background characters versus the important ones. Um <laughs> But they do, they kind of fake that out too. Like there was a recent thing where it was like this big brawl and they figured like, oh, two or three of these people must have stands and they're looking around at all the weirdos that are there in the prison, you know, like the, the one guy that came out with a spiked helmet. <laughs> Why did they let him in with that? Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so, uh, okay. So another, another thing that is not really to my liking in JoJo's as it is right now. Um, mm -hmm. there's too many healing powers in JoJo's <laughs> now. I say, okay. So from your limited experience, it's kind of a gory show, right? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, chapter three, well, all the chapters really take place under a really limited time span. So mm -hmm. the third chapter, I think takes place over two months during a overland and sea trip from Japan to Egypt. Huh? During that trip, they fight so many times and get grievous trauma over and over again to where it's not really believable, right? That they've, they've lost like, um, they've lost so much blood literally in the course of their journeys. They've been torn apart so many times and yet they're good to go in the next episode usually. Um, hmm. So I wonder, see the next Jojo in part four, his ability is largely healing. It's the ability that he can reconstruct things, right? Okay. So uh, he essentially makes injury meaningless because if he gets to you in time, he can just, you know, make you good as new. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but that's kind of permeated in into every chapter since. So in the next one, there's a character, and, and this one too. So it kind of takes away the stakes, sort of, a little bit anyway. Mm. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no long last. I guess you die or you don't, right? Right. Um, so like a, a video game where you get shot a bunch and the screen turns kind of red, but if you hide behind a pillar long enough, it just goes away <laughs> and you're fine again. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I hope they get away from that in the future. Um, mm. But anyway, it's still JoJo's. It's still fascinating and weird. And <laughs> I, I have a comparison I use a lot where uh, that. Batman is good because uh, you couldn't identify with him, even though he's better in a million respects than any human ever could be. 
you right. understand what's dangerous to Batman. Yeah. Whereas Superman is spectacle, right? And you're just there to watch things happen, even though you have no connection to, you know, what anything yeah. means. Yeah, um, yeah. Jojo is in a weird middle lane where um, for sure there's characters are vulnerable, but, and, and th there's no logic that you can yourself supply, but you're just watching, waiting to see what's given to you, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> what, what far-fetched tactic is going to save the day here, you know, like, all right. <laughs> I made a reflective surface out of my sweat over there. So, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so it's a weird middle ground between Batman and Superman in that respect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm having fun. It's, it's, uh, it's super crazy. Um, hmm. Anyway, that's, uh, that's what I got going. Hmm. All right. Um, gosh. I went into this recording today and I was like, what have I done in the last week? Because <laughs> it's weird because I've had, well, I guess a lot of my weekend was piecing together the last podcast. Um, right. And then, but then my schedule at work has changed because of construction at work. So it's weird because I only worked two days this week because ah. um, there was a holiday and my days off changed after the holiday. So I barely worked. Like I've worked two days out of the last five and didn't work today. But at the same time, I feel like I haven't done anything. Huh. Um, we, we might have three holidays coming up. Yes. Truth yeah. and reconciliation and Labor Day and maybe a memorial for the queen. So, yeah. yeah. So um, for those who don't know, Canada officially is ruled by the monarch of british empire like i i hesitate to say you know the the monarch of england because it's all also the monarch of canada and like 14 sure. other countries yeah the commonwealth um, yeah so officially the head of state of canada uh was queen elizabeth ii who as we are recording has passed away uh as you probably know um so i guess um the queen is dead, long live the king. Mm. Um, so, and yeah, apparently my, I was visiting my parents today and my mom spotted this on the internet that apparently in 1968, a law was entered here in Canada that whenever the queen dies, there will be an official day of mourning, a, a federal holiday. Mm. And now, uh, what is this? What's 68 plus 20, that's 30 to 50 54 years later it's actually happened so i guess there'll be a holiday coming up but i guess the important thing is yeah the queen died uh which is it's sad i guess i guess she doesn't really have an impact on our lives in any way but you know she's it's weird to not have her around and you know this time next year our coins will have king charles the third on them maybe yeah you and know and the 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 job that I've I'm quietly quitting, uh, yeah. <laughs> is a government job, and I actually had to swear that I would defend the queen at the beginning <laughs> of the job. Oh, Isn't that weird? Well, I guess you don't have to do that anymore. Or I didn't do a good enough job. Huh. 
quiet quitter you, I am. You, you, you quiet quit that part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a guy that joined with me and then he, he refused to do it, which I understand. Huh. But yeah, yeah. They let him work anyway, but. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah kind of weird. So where are we going with this? Oh, yeah, lots of days off. Um, so I don't know. I haven't done much of anything. Uh, I finished watching the new Beavis and Butthead, which was easy because there's only like five episodes. Well, that's um, something. I liked the last part. <laughs> it introduced super intelligent Beavis and Butthead. Okay. Um, and they are... They introduced the idea that there are multiple alternate realities. Oh, that's and, very hot. And the one... Yeah. And they said the one that fascinated them the most is the one where Beavis and Butthead were teenagers in the 90s. So they wanted to check back up on them, which is to say Beavis and Butthead in their 40s. So it's like the title screen says old Beavis and Butthead. And Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of this was that they were out of money and... Beavis had already donated blood twice that day and Butthead's not going to do anything because the dynamic between them is that whenever anything needs to be done, Butthead just makes Beavis do it. Hmm. So Beavis goes out to get more unemployment, but instead of getting a check, they give him a job um, as an aid to people who are like a social worker, kind of like an aid for people who are unable to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And he gets assigned to Butthead. (laughs) <laughs> so he it's his job now to do just do what butthead says like he's trying to clean up and it's like no don't touch those pizza boxes it's like oh okay and then like they go to walmart and he's like bossing him around and stuff um i just thought that was funny because like but beavis and butthead like super intelligent versions they're not laughing oh yeah they're they're just like yes yes very humorous yes droll droll quite droll yes <laughs> yes Risible. Yes. <laughs> amusing. Quite amusing. Um, so that was, yeah, you know, that was that was in, entertaining. Beavis and Butthead remains amusing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, that, that last, <laughs> that last yeah, time you they talked were, to him. It was it was super intelligent Beavis and Butthead giving the same review I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was. There was a good episode where their school counselor decided that counseling wasn't working. And so they, especially on Butthead's aggression, like just constantly hitting Beavis. Yeah. So she prescribed him some medication and Butthead became like a normal person. Huh. And it was it was freaking Beavis out to the point that he made him stop taking the medicine. So he'd start beating him up again. Uh, there's an episode called The Doppelganger where Beavis was walking around. He thought he spotted Butthead, but it turned out it was a guy in similar um, similar body shape with red shorts and a black shirt. And just this guy just started hanging out with Beavis and Beavis is trying to get away. But the guy just like he's trying to give him a ride and he's trying to like take him to the like music store and everything. And he's like just being this overbearing nice guy that. He, he taught Beavis how to fist bump. Yeah. Um, Boy, this sounds like this season really delves into the dynamic of the two. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I quite liked an episode called Roof, where they ended up stuck on the roof of Mr. <laughs> Anderson's house. By the okay. way, uh, this series, 
establishes that Beavis and Butthead live in Texas. I thought I they lived in Florida. I thought they lived in California. But no, I, uh, I, I felt sure that Highland was in Florida, that they said it once in an episode. Um, or it, was, it was on like a sign. I'm thinking about the movie where mm. they had to go across country to Washington, D.C. And like they went through the Grand Canyon at one That's point. That's true. So, yeah, but no, this, this is like they're it, like when super intelligent Beavis and Butthead are watching, it like zooms in on Texas and there are Texas license plates. Like Hmm. it's Texas. Um, I guess because Mike Judge is from Texas. Um, Anyway, they're on the, they're stuck on the roof. There's one point where (laughs) Beavis falls off and he like, he does the, gets his head hit and has amnesia thing. Mm -hmm. And He's like, oh, hello, who are you? And Butthead's like, I'm Butthead, ass face. <laughs> and Beavis goes, okay, uh, which one of those is your name? And which is the one you're calling me? Like, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had complained about before, before one of my pet peeves is mm-hmm. main character dimorphism, where the main characters are designed under like an entirely different aesthetic oh. as everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Beavis and Butthead and their mile high heads look really <laughs> weird next to everyone else's proportion like a human being. A little bit. I mean, it, I mean it's fine. The... It's fine for Beavis and Butthead, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Some characters are also like, you know, like their their principle looks weird. And but I, right. I you're you are right. It's like they made those characters first. It's like now let's make a world to put them in like Phineas and Ferb to some extent, as we talked about. Honestly, mm. where they just like the literal the literal genesis of that show was the two creators, Dan Povenmire and Jeff Swampy Marsh, uh, <laughs> hanging out, having lunch or something. And one of them just drew this triangle-headed kid on a napkin. And they're mm. like, that's it. That's our new franchise. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Beavis and Butthead. And uh, I watched some other cartoons, but I feel like I might give some of them to you at some point. So okay. I want to hold off uh, when it's shorts time again, as summer draws to a close. Um, So why don't we just get into what we're going to do here with parodies? Uh, Do you have a parody? I do. I have The Simpsons, which in itself is not a parody. No. So the episode I'm going to be looking at is Simpson Califragilistic Ixpialy Annoyed Gruntious. Uh, directed by Chuck Sheets in 1997. So for starters, everybody knows The Simpsons. Hmm. I think sometimes I make assumptions like everybody knows Star Wars. They don't. There's people that haven't seen Star Wars. But I think like everyone in the universe has seen an episode of The Simpsons. Um, it's in its like 33rd season. Yeah. yeah. Um, but see, this episode from front to back is a straight up parody of the Disney movie Mary Poppins from 1964. People might not have seen that. So Mary Poppins is the story of a well-to-do family in London at the turn of the 20th century. And the father's no-nonsense attitude disconnects him from his children. It takes the interference of their magical nanny, Mary Poppins, as well as jack-of-all-trades Bert, to unite the family under the understanding that fun and a sense of wonder are what life is really all about. Plus some weird magic stuff that happens. <laughs> and Edwin. So, yeah. So for the Simpsons episode, as you 
may well know, the opening credits hook you with some variation. Uh, so Bart will write different pithy things on the chalkboard as a punishment. And yeah. in this case, it's, I will not hide the teacher's Prozac. Oh. Yeah. And Lisa often plays different melodies on her saxophone, but I'm not equipped to explain it. Uh, and then there's the couch gag. In this case, the couch is vacant because the family is locked outside. Aw. I give this overall opening credits and couch gag a C. It's mm. serviceable and no better. Um, it, also... It beats the ones that go on for way too long. Well, yeah, yeah. These days, they're like epics and mm. themselves like three-minute parodies. Yeah, um, like there, there's one where... They sit on the couch and then Rick and Morty burst in and there's this whole yes. sequence of them like cloning new Simpsons or something. Often cross-referential uh, tributes uh, mm. with different directors and the like. Um, yeah, there's I mean, one that, um, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy who did Rejected, Dan Hertzfeld. Dan Hertzfeld yeah. did a Simpsons gag. I think uh, Banksy did one. Mm. Mm. They're interesting, but you know, I want to get to the episode. Yeah, really. Like they're really um, it's partially filling time. And I think part of it might also be when Fox and other networks went to added an extra commercial break. So now their shows are four segments instead of three. Oh, so like, well, what do we do with a fourth segment? Huh? Well, I mean, 33 years. Got to do something different, I guess. And or quit. <laughs> well, sure. Um also, by the way, this this couch gag is a little busted because Homer has already entered the home through the garage. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get to the actual the actual episode proper. Uh, so the lead into the story is Krusty the Clown on the television set. He's hosting Krusty Comedy Classics KKK at <laughs> the Apollo Theater. That's not good. What a great joke. I love that. <laughs> and I, for, I forgot it was from this episode. Um <laughs> So Bart lazily asks Marge to go get him some milk and Homer asks her to get him a beer. And by the time Lisa asks, she's stressed. But what Lisa's asking for asking about is a six foot long blue hair in her soup. It's the first sign of Marge's hair loss due to the stresses of her role in the family. Later, she loses a clump during sexy bedtime stuff with Homer. This leads to a musical montage to the to the song Hair that shows her losing her hair. The next time Homer is feeling amorous in bed, he bades Marge take off her baba mushka. But horrifically, her tall updo is full of holes. Ah. And some of those holes should be showing a scalp, but it's just a clear sight all the way through. <laughs> I don't know if that... I don't think that's an accident. I think that's just, you know, a draw, an illustrator having fun. Yeah, yeah. So a doctor's visit determines that stress is the cause of her hair loss. So Marjorie requests... Like, there's, there's, a, there's a great gag when she's in the doctor's office where she gets two phone calls. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's something like Bart's on the first line. He's like, Mom, I'm hungry. And, and on the other line, Lisa just says, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is funny. Well, this episode's full of good gags. Yeah. Um, uh, so Marge requests that the family hire a nanny... The search for a new nanny is fraught by Homer's assaults against each applicant because he believes they're like the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, i.e. Robin Williams and drag. <laughs> um, 
Bart and Lisa approach their parents with a set of desired parameters for a nanny set to music. Might I add, eat my shorts. Yeah. And you know, as if by magic, this song seems to summon a magical nanny who glides in by holding an open umbrella. The music cues us also that this is a Mary Poppins parody, but her <laughs> name is Sherry Bobbins, an original character like Ricky Rouse or Monald Muck. Yeah. Um, boy, that cracked me up so hard the first time. Um, <laughs> so she passes the interview naturally, then settles in, first sliding up the staircase banister. Um, and first of all, she leads the kids in cleaning up the room, the bedroom, through song. Uh, rather than a metaphorical spoonful of sugar, what will help it be more enjoyable is doing a half-assed job. <laughs> like, cover the clutter with a blanket, push trash under the bed, jam everything in the closet. And I especially like Lisa putting a bunch of toys and baby Maggie into the toy chest. Um, I liked um, when she sings, everybody does it, even mom and dad. And it it shows like Homer. I think he's like throwing a couch or something in yes. Flanders yard. <laughs> yeah, a tattered old couch. Yeah. And then Flanders like appears uh, from behind the fence holding his head. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so later, Sherry takes the children on a delightful walk through the park. Their new nanny sure seems popular with everyone in Springfield. Uh, after friendly greetings from many of the cast, they happen on groundskeeper Willie as a multi-instrumentalist playing a trumpet, squeeze box, harmonica, bulb horn, knee cymbals, and a snare drum mounted on his back and a pair of spoons strapped to his knee. <laughs> uh, it turns out that Sherry and Willie were once engaged to be married until she got her eyesight back. <laughs> Uh, Willie is, of course, like Bert in Mary Poppins. I, it might have been tempting to have him in more of this episode, but I think, as usual, usual with Willie, less is more. Yeah. Yeah, this amount is perfect. Yeah. Um, so, uh, further time in the park turns a good deal more Edwardian, including a top-hatted top Principal Skinner calling Boy for Sale in reference to Jimbo dressed as an urchin. <laughs> um, also at the park... Bobbins encourages Mr. Burns to fly a kite, which gets him electrocuted and makes him feel so alive. <laughs> um, so things appear to be going great. Marge's hair is healthy and there's much snuggling with Homer. Uh, elsewhere in the house, Sherry sings a lullaby to the children who all sleep in the same bedroom and bed in this episode. <laughs> Parallel to the homeless woman who sells crumbs for pigeons at uh, uh, the park, Tuppence a bag. She sings of Barney the Booze Hound, begging that anyone will treat him to a drink. Uh, the next day, with her work done, Sherry readies to depart. But literally, as soon as she steps out, the family reverts to chaos, Marge all a shiver and shedding blue clumps of hair. Yeah. Uh, kind of like that episode where they clean the kitchen. Remember that? And <laughs> yep. they walk back in and as soon as the door swings the other way, the kitchen's dirty. Anyway, that's um, a good gag. Yeah. When when Sherry resumes her job, she's frustrated now in the same stressful role that Marge had. Uh, the impact of her songs and lessons also have worn off on The Simpsons. Uh, and like the beginning of the episode, the TV provides a tool for unrelated humor 
like a parody of Andy, the Andy Griffith show, but starring ultra-violent Charles Bronson. Hmm. Actually, even better is a gag, or I like where uh, Grandpa Simpson uh, goes out of control flying because he accidentally took Sherry's umbrella. Yeah. Um, and he's like, anyways. I've never felt so alive, and then instantly falls asleep. Yeah. Uh, so, seeing the damage that they've done to their nanny, the Simpsons assure her that it's not her fault. They're just unfixable. <laughs> and they do it through song. Uh, and the Simpsons like it this way. Then they dismiss her from service. Nothing has changed. Everybody and everything is as bad as it was. And Marge's problem is unsolved. And that's okay. <laughs> Satisfied that there was nothing to be done. Sherry takes back her umbrella from a crash landed grandpa. <laughs> and she takes off into the sky and is promptly shredded in the engine of a passing passenger jet. <laughs> so, uh, do you like this episode? Yes. Um, it's funny. Yeah. It is funny. Like, it, you know, this is, this is the Simpsons kind of doing some parody stuff, like some, let's say, non-canon episodes. Yes, it's before like... Before it went way downhill, and that's kind of all they do. Well, there used to be rules on The Simpsons, right? Like, I there there was a turning point in the Mister Plow episode where God interferes and thaws everything. Yeah, and th there was a lot of debate on that. And I think you could still say that that's not really God; that's just a joke in that yeah. episode. But Sherry Bobbins is definitely flying in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it has to for the parody. I think sliding up the banister is still within the language language of the show. You know, well, yeah. And then like immediately afterwards, like and her ass waxed the banister. Well, sure. But like if if Lenny did that, it wouldn't seem that weird. in any yeah, episode, right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's straight up supernatural. It's like a treehouse of horror without horror. Yeah, it's it's just on the border of what's acceptable Simpsons. But at the same time, it is on the acceptable side and the gags are mm. done really well. I think it's over, but it's, yeah, it's funny. So you kind of forgive it. There's, there's another aspect where I think this deviates is that like early in the show's development, producer Jim Brooks impressed on all those gag focused writers that the most important thing was affection for these characters and that there was real heart underneath all the comedy. Hmm. And that would be key to the success. And I think it's true and it doesn't exist in this episode. <laughs> there's a problem and it's not at all solved. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's uh, it just kind of exists for the parody. Yeah, so I it, I think it lacks a little bit in that regard. But like I said, it's, it's, it's a Halloween episode, essentially. Yeah, um, it's not a shining example of The Simpsons, but it is a shining example of the kind of gags that they could write in their sure. prime. Because like, sure. like, you know, that crusty KKK thing is amazing. So funny. So um, funny. Yeah. Like even just something like it seems predictable as Homer's like, I'm sure we'll see her again. And then she gets shredded in an airplane. Like, yeah. And things like that. But like when she tries to sing and they cut her off. Yeah. Like, hey, I didn't order a song or whatever he says. Um, yeah, it's. <sighs> this is no. the kind of thing that The Simpsons does now, but more heavily fo now they do it way more heavily focused on gags that aren't as good okay well um you're 
you are with the crowd on the quality of the Simpsons. I watch it occasionally. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I've, 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 you know, just maybe two or three episodes of the current season. Yeah. And I would say that some of them are pretty good. Some of them I like quite a bit, but that was early on. And I found that the most recent ones I don't like that much or the most recent ones I've watched. I don't know. I've watched. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, eight episodes of this season. Um, like the bad ones, they just feel lazy. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. that they kind of rely on you having an affection for these characters because mm -hmm. it's just sort of not even jokes. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of astonished that something with this much money and legacy can occasionally put out something so clunky. Um, yeah. And yet even some of these bad episodes have something I like in them. Like um, <laughs> there is one where the kids are worried that their parents are becoming dull and have lost their spark. And when they, when they look at Marge and Homer, uh, Homer is sitting on the floor, uh, in front of Marge, who's sitting on the couch and she's cutting his hair and he's got a towel on his neck <laughs> and he is eating potato chips and occasionally blindly reaching back and feeding her one. And I thought that seems so genuine and so good. <laughs> that is, that is kind of cute actually. Yeah. It's and of a, course he, he misses and she has to like adjust to catch the chip, you know, and yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. And then there was an earlier episode this season that had it both. It had good comedy and a good focus in the episode, that Jim Brooks stuff, where um, to get rid of a bacterial infection, the uh, Bart and Lisa have to take steroids. Huh. And as a result, they get fat before uh, the opening day of school. And yeah. so when Marge says to Lisa, oh, looks like someone's getting chunky, it affects her. Huh. It like traumatizes her and it, what a good like idea for a plot and episode. And they have to like, well, also I feel, well, there's a lot of tranches in which Simpsons kind of gets bad. But for me, I think I have a unique one mm -hmm. that I feel that there is a period where Lisa becomes the mouthpiece of the writers. <laughs> She's probably the best character. And yet I hate her like that where mm -hmm. she's too smart, you know? Yeah. Um, and too preachy, I guess, too. And also belies her own role, you know, hmm. where she, where she is like a, uh, um, well, like I said, she, she's like the voice of the writer and everyone acts accordingly. She's not a kid. She's definitely not overlooked hmm. like is her, her original characteristic. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, um, that's one thing. Now the comedy like I said, it's up and down in my opinion right now. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that is purely worse, songs. Huh. Like the songs in this are pretty good, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, songs in Modern Simpsons are terrible. And by modern, I mean for quite a stretch. The, one of the times that really stuck out to me, have you seen the one that's a parody of Lady and the Tramp? Um, I'm not sure. Well, they have a song in there that goes like, any minute now. It's so bad. Oh my God. So, <laughs> and I feel like there's more songs, even though they're much worse in, hmm. in modern Simpsons episodes. So hmm. anyway, th getting back to this episode, uh, the, one of the little talked about Simpsons cast members, Maggie Roswell is Sherry Bobbins. Hmm. And for the regular cast, Miss Hoover, Helen Lovejoy, Maude Flanders, 
Um, mm-hmm. She's great. She's she's funny. She's great as uh, Mary. Uh, sorry, oh, Sherry Bobbins as well. <laughs> and uh, she's got a good comedic singing voice too. So. Yeah, um, it. This is the kind of thing where if it was today, yeah, a celebrity would be Sherry Bobbins instead of a regular cast member, and mm. it. Like they may even have tried to get Julie Andrews if this episode was made today. Um, I bet she'd I, be funny, too. She probably I would. Um, yeah. But at the same time, just by having a regular cast member in there so you're not distracted. It's and, and you know, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's it's. I think that's the I, you know what? That's a great. I think that might be a great way to say it. They know what they're doing. Like this is the Simpsons comfortable. Like we know yeah. we can write hilarious stuff and we can write decent stories that'll get the hilarious stuff out. Um, you know, it's funny you say that though. Do you know what episode follows this one? Which one? The uh, Poochie episode. <laughs> Not the chaplain from Jojo's, the, uh, the rock and dog. Yeah. 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 In the, yeah. So the episode where the, the, uh, Krusty the clown, not Chris Con, the uh, itchy and scratchy cartoons have to revamp because it's getting stale. Yeah. As it parallels to the Simpsons being still good, but the characters have, you know, lost their impact after so many years. Yeah. So. <laughs> and Tress McNeil as the voice actress who does all the voices. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, we talk about Tress McNeil, McNeil all the time. We haven't even mentioned uh, uh, Roswell before, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, I think this episode's pretty good. It's yeah, yeah. It's not one of the best episodes of The Simpsons, but it's it's, it's a good one. It's from the era where you can quote like everything that happens in The Simpsons in the first like ten seasons. Like you know everything. Oh, episode. for sure. Yeah. Hey, when we do our quotes at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast, my starting point is okay, not The Simpsons, because <laughs> every one of them could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And there's a reason for there there's a reason why everybody knows the first 10 years of the Simpsons and nobody knows the next 20 seasons of the Simpsons. <laughs> well, I guess we can segue to a show of varying quality as you might have experienced because I gave you the wrong episode. Okay, let me okay. So, yeah. Micah said uh, Dexter's Lab episodes have a variety of segments, and he said, look for the episode that has Paper Route Bout, The Old Switcher Rooms, Trick or Treehouse, and Mach 5. That's too many segments. Yeah. Remember what I said a minute ago about how shows had a certain number of commercial breaks, and so there were three segments, and then they yeah. Fox changed it to four? Well, yeah, Dexter's Lab has three segments. Let me explain what Dexter's Lab is. Hey, why not? Um... This is a Cartoon Network show from Hanna-Barbera. And the idea is that Dexter is this little boy with a. Like a an indistinct mad scientist accent. I don't know if it's Russian or what. Yeah. And he has a secret high tech, huge laboratory connected to his bedroom where he invents all kinds of things because he's a super genius scientist, you see. His main point of conflict is his sister, his big sister, Dee Dee, who is kind of a girly girl, not really airheaded, but like oh, just playful. pretty airheaded. Yeah, she yeah. can be. But she wasn't that dumb in these episodes. She's just playful. No. 
Yeah. Um, also involved are their parents, mom and dad. And Dexter also has a nemesis who shows up sometimes. Another super smart kid named Mandark. But anyway, oh, also worth noting, mom and dad do not know that the secret laboratory is there. But Dee Dee mm. does because she always wants to go in and play with it. And Dexter is always paranoid about her ruining the stuff. And also worth noting, Dexter is the only one in this family which has this weird mad scientist accent. Yeah, I, that always rubbed me the wrong way. But anyway. Yeah, I don't like that accent. Um, well, Christine, not so much the accent, but that it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway, so what do we got? Um, (laughs) yeah, too many segments. Uh, let's go through this and we'll get to the, we'll, we'll address the problem when it shows up. Okay. So we'll start with paper route bout and it's short and simple. These are all short and simple. Basically, Dee Dee has a paper route. Dexter isn't even in this episode, turns out. Mm. Uh, Dee Dee has a paper route, but, and she's (laughs) on her bike and throwing papers around she can't hit anybody's porch, though. She just her <laughs> papers just kind of go everywhere. But the neighborhood expects it. They're all happy. They they wave to her. She waves back. They're all just out there in their pajamas with their coffee, getting newspapers. But then a bunch of ninjas on bikes ride up and start throwing newspapers specifically at breakable things and small animals. And uh, of course, this causes no end of problems with people whose coffees are spilled and whose cats get beaned. And so <laughs> they 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 try to stop the ninjas, but the ninjas are just like hit them with papers again. Dee Dee tries to go talk to them, but they're not listening. What ends up happening is that dad decides that they need to take these hooligans out, but that's too mean. So instead, they'll do a contest. You know, this old trope on cartoons. So Dee Dee and one of the ninjas, or jerks as they are called, <laughs> are going to go down the street and each one of them gets a side. Whoever delivers the most papers onto the porch wins. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Dee Dee drives along, rides along, I guess, and throws newspapers everywhere except porches. The ninja has great aim. However, he is also easily distractible and mean. And (laughs) he just can't resist throwing his newspapers at small animals and breakable things. uh, It's basically a zero-zero tie up to the end. Um, (laughs) Now, I can't remember which one comes first. Oh, I think it's Dee Dee. Dee Dee throws her very last paper at her own home and the paper lands on the porch. The ninja, on the other hand, he's ready to throw at the very last house. But just then, a delivery guy who specializes in small animals and fine china shows up. Hmm. There's a huge crisis of lack of conscience. And the ninja finally decides to just pummel the delivery guy. Dee Dee wins. The jerks are defeated. And uh, there's a rather funny bit where the the ninjas never talk but one mm. of the ninjas just gives the ninja who failed a newspaper and he is forced to walk into the sunset and commit seppuku yeah hitting himself yeah. in the head with the newspaper and that's what this episode is um it's kind of cute on its own as a parody of martial arts movies um i sure i particularly liked uh when Dee goes to talk to the jerks um she talks a lot 
and it felt like it was dubbed almost. Oh, I had, yes. I yeah. had no idea what I was in for later. But yeah, this felt like, you know, the the talking too much for what's on screen, just like a, a dubbed thing. So I liked that. Yeah. And it has a good uh, Taiko drum sound uh, soundtrack. Oh, yeah. 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 It's yeah. Uh, very. Yeah. Uh, next, we get the old switcheroos, which the title sequence for this, the title sequences, by the way, there's no stock sequence. They're all different for all the different cartoons. Hmm. This one shows credits in between dad throwing strikes at the bowling alley. He wins a trophy. He comes home to show it off to the family, but Dee Dee and Dexter are fighting and they end up accidentally smashing the trophy. Now they know they're in trouble, so they try to go to their rooms, but dad has a better punishment because their rooms are too comfortable. No, no, no. To learn about respecting other people's property, they have to go to each other's room. Now, of course, Dee Dee is ecstatic about this. She just literally floats off into Dexter's room. And Dexter now is paranoid about two things. One, the super girly room that he's going to have to be in. And two, what is Dee Dee going to do to his precious, precious lab? I like that the door to Dee Dee's room, it's so foreboding as he walks up to it and it just opens and it's this blinding pink light from inside. <laughs> um, yeah. It, looking at the the um, episode list, I think there was another episode before this called Dee Dee's Room. Mm-hmm. And I actually really want to watch that. I, I forgot to, but oh. I'm like, hmm. I'm wondering if you watched six segments overall. <laughs> I did. Oh, sweet. That's That's why I'm trying to go quick. Okay. Um, anyway, the room isn't as <laughs> decorated as you'd think it is. It's hmm. it's just kind of pink with and sparsely uh, furnished, actually. But Dexter's going insane. He listens at the wall and he hears a buzzing sound, which he imagines is Dee Dee just taking a chainsaw to all his equipment. It's actually just a fly. Hmm. But there's really no noise. And he he has no information. He's going nuts. Finally. He gets an idea. He starts ripping up Dee Dee's like plush animals and underwear and stuff to build <laughs> and, and, a, and a, a lamp to build himself a protective suit and smashes her mirror on the way into the air duct. He crawls his way over to his room and sees that actually Dee Dee is just sleeping on his bed. Just then, Dad kind of fixes his trophy good enough that he decides that the kids can come out of their punishment. Oh, no. Dexter goes rushing back to Dee Dee's room. Oh, actually, I should mention there was a point earlier where Dexter tried to sneak into his room, but dad knew that he was there. Yes. He kind of threatened, like, <laughs> no son of mine better be trying to get out of his punishment. Yeah. So, yeah, that sets up that he doesn't want to get caught. And so he goes running back. But uh, <laughs> to protect the glue holding his trophy together, dad turns the air conditioning on, which blows Dexter away, blows all of his equipment off. Well, I say equipment. It's more like wool. Uh, Mm. And by the time he lands back in Dee Dee's room, A, he's naked, and B, the room has been trashed by him building this uh, suit that he didn't actually need. Hmm. And, you know, I I think in the commotion, the trophy gets broken again. And, uh uh-oh, more punishment. Yeah, I do like how insane 
Dexter looks there with yeah. just a piece of uh, oh yeah wool on his crotch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's he's sitting good. in a bunch of wreckage. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Part three. What was part three? Oh, Trick or Tree House. Okay. So this one opens with a montage of wood going missing. Wood panel from the house. <laughs> uh, Dad's den has like a wooden, like wood box TV and wood walls and everything. And he goes <laughs> out to get a drink and when he comes back, it's all gone. Uh, mom. Mom, by the way, I should mention her character design. She's constantly wearing like yellow, like rubber dish yes. gloves and apron, which is yeah. kind of sexist, really. I don't know that I like it. But anyway, oh, yeah. her cutting board goes missing. Um, Dexter is working on something, but this hammering noise is really distracting him. He goes to find what it is. Mom is just trying to get the last biscotti from a jar. Dad, I don't actually remember what he was doing. Do you? Hmm. He's doing something innocuous. It turns out the not the hammering is coming from outside. Dee Dee is up in a tree hammering something. She says, since Dexter has a secret place, she's making a secret place, too. And of course, Dexter's like, oh, that's I'm not even I don't even care. And then he immediately goes back to his room to break out the binoculars and try to figure out what Dee Dee's doing. All the while talking about how much he doesn't care about her stupid secret place. And he watches as Dee Dee's friends who dress exactly like her in pink, uh, pink dress and tights and ballet slippers come out. Uh, he watches as uh, mom shows up with pie and drinks for the girls and uh, goes up into the tree. Dad goes up into the tree. I think the dog does too. Everybody just goes up into the tree and seem to be having the time of their lives as Dexter just watches desperately <laughs> claiming how much he doesn't care about what's going on up there. Eventually, night falls and everybody comes down from the tree, and that's his chance. He dresses up as a bird and climbs up into the tree where he finds a little pink treehouse. Hey, the title of the episode told us what was up. Mm. He goes in and scoffs at the place, especially a big lever that says not to pull it. And he scoffs at the lever. It probably doesn't even work. And of course, he pulls it. And I think it, it ends up just dropping a bread box on him and trapping him. Which Dee Dee knew that he wasn't going to be able to resist. And now that he's stuck, she can go and play in his laboratory to her heart's content. Well, Dexter protests from inside the bread box. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Dee Dee's emotionally smart. Yeah. So what happened to that fourth segment? Um, yeah, I don't know out, what happened. Yeah, it turns out there's a different episode. You know what? I blame the curse of last week and the <laughs> festering malignancy of the one ring. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The festering malignancy really did it to us here. So I, I get to make that excuse once, I think. <laughs> yeah. OK. Uh, bonus review of the actual episode that you wanted me to watch, which yeah. is season two, episode nine. The previous one was episode twenty nine. Maybe Oops. that's I don't know. Whatever. Uh, part one of this is called Snowdown. I like the title card here, which is the word Snowdown written in yellow on the snow. <laughs> uh, Dexter's just walking happily through the snow until he gets beamed by a snowball from Dee Dee. And then Dee Dee beans him a bunch more at various times. Turns out she is a snowball fiend. Now, Dexter has a quite 
reasonable, mature, and I would say correct response to this, which is to go to his dad and say, hey, Dee Dee's hitting me with snowballs. I don't want to fight back because she is my sister and she's a girl. Mm. I'm just asking you, could you please tell her to stop hitting me with snowballs? <laughs> hey, that's that is one of the best responses to a crisis I have ever seen a cartoon character have. He clearly doesn't know his dad, though. <laughs> uh, clearly not, because the mention of snowballs kind of uh, triggers something in dad. See, dad, it turns out, was the best snowballer ever as a youth until he got to college. And so he is going to show his son the correct way to deal with being pummeled by snowballs, which is to be a better snowballer. He goes out and teaches Dexter how to do great snowballs. So Dexter waits with his new training for Dee Dee to show up, which is pretty great. Her just coming out of the snow in the behind. Him. <laughs> um, yeah. And he manages to expertly dodge her shot and throw his own, which hits her in the face. It seems like there might be some tension here, but Dee Dee compliments him on his great shot and Dexter thanks her. And of course, dad is like, what? No, <laughs> you need to finish her. Because you see. Dexter got his snowball genes from his dad, but Dee Dee got her snowball genes from the one person who ever defeated dad. Mom! Now, mom <laughs> explains that when they were in college, she just kind of playfully threw a snowball in his direction, like flirtatiously. Hee hee hee. Yeah. But uh, it made dad snap. Yeah, I love his reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the kids are like, you went crazy just because mom hit you with a snowball? That's silly. And dad's like, you're right. It was silly. Ha ha ha. And then just like that, he's cured. Uh, <laughs> the punchline being Dee Dee saying, hey, it's almost as silly as Dexter having a secret lab in his bedroom. And the parents are like, what? And Dexter's like, ah, nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Mm -hmm. All right. Episode five. <laughs> figure not included. This one has three kids who are not Dexter playing with their various major glory superhero action figures. They all have cool powers. <laughs> They're not actually that cool. There's a parachute and some like arms that kind of boing out on springs. Hmm. And Dexter shows up to be great friends with them with his own major glory action figure, which <laughs> is the picture of action uh, Major Glory, which he cut out of his uh, cereal box. And the kids in the Glory gang tell him, you need a real cool Major Glory action figure to be in the Glory gang. Again, Dexter has a fairly reasonable response to this, which is to go to mom and formally request that she buy him a Major Glory action figure. And she agrees to do so for his birthday. Huh. Well, now Dexter mopes in his laboratory, not even <laughs> with enough energy to uh, attack Dee Dee for having broken in. She's there with her pretty Polly doll and uh, wants to know what's wrong. I actually kind of like the relationship between these siblings, at least in these episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dexter explains he has no friends and he's useless because he doesn't have a major glory action figure. And Dee Dee is just, I'm surprised at you. I made my own doll, Pretty Polly. And Dexter 
like, oh, come on. Do you know how much equipment you need to make an action figure? Well, you'd need <gasps> a <laughs> laboratory. And so, as you may imagine, he makes his own cool major glory action figure. The next day, he goes to his uh, supposed friends and shows off the best action figure. Man, it's got all kinds of cool powers. Well, it impresses the kids a little too much. In order to get into the glory gang, he needs to make cool action figures like that for all of them. So he goes back, he makes three more action figures, and he comes back the next day and hands them out. These action figures all have different powers. One has a cloaking device, one has armor. Uh, what does the other one do? I don't remember. Anyway, um, the point is they all do cool did, stuff. Hmm? I think it had frost breath, didn't it? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Yeah. But now the three kids kind of argue over which one of them has the coolest powers. And they say, hey, all the figures need to be the same. We all need to have all the powers. Huh, these are bad friends. So Dexter hmm. runs back to his lab, makes three action figures all with the same powers and runs back missing his computer's warning that the possibility that the figures may overload exists. So he brings the new fully powered action figures back to his friends, Rob Paulson, Rob Paulson, and someone else. And Are you kidding? What? <laughs> what? Uh, Tom Kenny. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> his voice was not as recognizable for some reason. Well, yeah. In this show, he's additional voices. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, so the kids all start playing with their cool action figures, which overload and explode. They are in, or Dexter is in trouble again, but just then the real Major Glory shows up. He grabs Dexter and takes him away. Dexter is saved, uh, maybe, except that Major Glory is actually taking him to his attorney to talk about copyright law for making bootleg action figures. Hmm. Mm. These kids have no sense. Man, like, like Dexter would be the friend you'd absolutely want. Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's just the oh, he's a nerd, despite the fact that, yeah. like, this guy probably had a Nintendo Switch in 1997. <laughs> right. Uh, OK, but now now finally the main hmm. event mock five which is to say mock as in M-O-C-K as in like making fun of. Mm hmm. Right. So here's the deal with this morning time. Dexter and Dee Dee and dad are sitting around the table and Dexter spots an ad in dad's newspaper for the big soapbox derby race. And he has an internal monologue thinking about how he wants to enter this race. Uh, we can immediately see that this is parodying anime, and I think you can guess which one. Hmm. Now, Dad doesn't want to let him enter the race because two years ago, in that very same race, their poor, his poor sister Dee Dee crashed up when she hit a turtle and has never been heard from again. She's right there, but they ignore her. Dexter basically says, please. And dad says, oh, actually, OK, yeah, let's make a race racer. In fact, they've already made one. But uh, the problem is turtles, but they can soup it up. 
and all of this is like the characters talking way too much and way too fast at the wrong pace and like stunted animation. Dad is dressed differently. Like it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they do some work and then retire for the evening. And then remember I said that Dexter has a rival named Mandark. Mm. Yeah, he shows up. Uh, His his plan. He's also going to enter the soapbox derby, you see. Um, But he knows that Dexter is going to be a formidable opponent. And so he tries to sabotage the machine using the the um, the Mark five using the plans that he finds living lying around. Oh, but it turns out that Dee Dee and the monkey. Oh, by the way, Dexter sometimes has a pet monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, they were hiding in the trunk. Dee Dee dressed as uh, what's her name? Spridal. Spridal. Okay. Yeah. Sp- Spridal and Chim Chim. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, she she basically shows up and explains that she has never been heard from again, except when she sometimes races as her alter ego, Racer D. Hmm. Now, Mandark, creepily, given the overcoat he's wearing, gives the little girl candy, <laughs> uh, and is able to distract her long enough that he can sabotage the machine. So now it's race time. Uh, the race starts They're I, I think they're like out racing lava from a volcano. Yes. Which I is, like that the uh, the start of the race, they're, they're like tethered to pegs. Yeah. And the start the start of the race is when lava pitches out of the volcano and burns the ropes away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they race. It's going well. Oh, but. Then uh, Mandark deploys a turtle from his soapbox mm. racer and uh, 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 Dexter's Dexter's tricks to avoid turtles don't work. His his ride's been sabotaged. Ah, but then the mysterious racer D shows up. She manages to run Mandark off the course and Mandark is uh, smitten with her. Um, is this a thing in Dexter's lab where Mandark is smitten with Dee Dee? Or yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. OK, yeah, I, I have not watched a whole lot of Dexter's Lab, as I mentioned last week. Yeah. So anyway, Mandark is off the course. Dee Dee has saved the day and um, she also helps Dexter avoid the turtle. Um, and uh, yeah, Dexter wins. And uh, dad is quite proud. And then Dee Dee shows up and dad's like, oh. There you are. You were behind me the whole time. Ha ha. Yay. Ha 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 Anime. Ha 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 And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the monkey should not eat the lava. Oh, yeah. Mo- yeah. 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 Candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was that other? There was some other cartoon recently where there was some kind of weird. Oh, it was Shredder. Ninja Turtles. Shredder Ninja just Turtles. grabbing yes, the yes. lava with his bare hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hmm. So. Shredder monkey. Yeah. All right. So obviously a parody of Speed Racer, which is something oh. I've seen even less of than Dexter's Lab. <laughs> well, you know what? One of these days I'm going to recommend one for you All right. so that you can reverse engineer how funny this episode was. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think I got the broad strokes of it. But if there's like it is, oh is there like God. is there like specific Speed Racer things that it's making fun of? It is so perfect. <laughs> like bits where, you know, like dad will start, you know, like, well, I've read you, right? And then there's like 
the background has that sort of uh, uh, painted effect mm-hmm. is is perfect speed racer. Um, the way that Dee Dee and Monkey flip their hands to throw the candy in their mouth is absolutely <laughs> perfect. Wow. Um, dad's dad's uh, mannerisms in this it's like are side by side angry perfect. dance. His yeah, the dance, <laughs> his, his circular talk, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He won, and that's my favorite thing about racing, and especially when the winner is my son. That kind of thing. <laughs> that is so Speed Racer. Mandark's stupid round helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was really struck by the goggles on that helmet. These big, like, triangle yeah. points that go down, like, past his mouth almost. <sighs> oh, Speed Racer is remarkably stupid, and you can tell that a lot of the creative people in this understood it. <laughs> <laughs> um, broadly, Dexter's Lab. Yeah. Um, Inadvertently a crash course. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all right. It's, it's yeah. got a tiny, you can sort of see where it's getting a little bit of the gross out crude humor. Not much, not mm. much at all. But it's yeah. just getting there. It's just before they were allowed to say the word fart. You know what? A strange comparison that occurred to me, yeah. having also watched all these, yeah. is that it's kind of like a tame Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. A little bit. I think the basic premise that he's got a lab and he doesn't want Dee Dee in it mm-hmm. is not great. Mm-hmm. And it's not front and center in most of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um. The one I accidentally recommended is okay. Yeah. But the one that I should have, I think is really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, well, running through all of them, really. Um, actually, I, I do like Dexter and Dee Dee. Like, yeah. like you pointed out, they have some some fun dynamics. Um, yeah, it's like Dexter's re- always Dexter's always trying to thwart her. But when they do get yeah. along, they really get along. Yeah. Oh, sure. But the real star of the show is dad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's so funny. And part of that, I think, is his voice actor, Jeff Bennett. Mm. You know, he's Johnny Bravo. He's just got like a a a savoir faire to being funny, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I noticed that, too. It's like, oh, like. It's kind of like in uh, South Park, how at some point they realized, oh, wait a minute. Stan's dad is actually the funniest character in this show. And so they really started yeah. focusing on him. Yeah. It's sort of like prototype Stan's dad. It's like, actually, dad is the cornerstone of the humor here. Like, Dexter being a genius isn't funny. Um, It'd almost be funnier if dad was the main character. And then it was interesting that his son had a secret lab. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But for what it is, uh, well, here, let's see. Let's talk about a little bit of more voice. Cath uh, Susie. Of course. Is she not Peggy Hill? Or am I thinking of someone else? Kath Susie is Fifi La Fume, Lola Bunny, and several other characters mm. of varying sexiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, here she's mom with her Hartman hips, as they're called. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's all right. Christine yep. Cavanaugh. So yeah. it's impossible for someone, given the time that the relative cartoons came out, or the mm-hmm. relative time the cartoons came out, I guess. It's impossible to hear Dexter and not hear Goslin from Darkwing Duck. Sure. Um, and, yeah. Or Ch- if you Chucky. Pref- Ch- Chucky. Yeah, that too. Yeah. If you prefer Babe from the yeah. movie Babe, 
Uh, Christine Cavanaugh was a fairly... I don't know if she was a prolific voice actress, but she was a noticeable one. Like, she was always in a starring role. Like, she was... Oh, yeah. She was front and center in everything she did until she retired and then sadly passed away far too early, I would say. Yeah, probably retired for health reasons. Yes. And uh, replaced by Candy Milo in the next season of Dexter's Lab. Why does that name sound so familiar? I don't know. I don't think she has a lot of non-Dextery credits. This might be one of those things where I know her from one thing. Uh, let's see here. Oh boy. She's got a lot of, uh, she's got a lot of credits. Let's see. Mm. English dub of Astro Boy. Oh, she's yeah. Word Girl in Word Girl. That's kind of neat. Um, mm. uh, Sweetie Pie in Tiny Toon Adventures. I just know at some point I'm going to be going through this and it's like, oh, that's where I know her from. Um, well, you know, mm. I can supply some other uh, other creative forces here. Yeah. Because, boy, a lot of powerhouses came out of this. Yeah. Or at least notables. Okay, so... Um, boy, is it Gendy or Gendy? Gendy, right? Gendy Tartakovsky. Y- y- yeah, I don't know. Oh, I know where I know her from. Where is that? She's Miss Wakeman in My Life as a Teenage Robot. Oh, well, there's connections there, too. Yeah. So, Gendy Tartakovsky, creator of many a thing, including Samurai Jack... Craig McCracken, recently creator of Kid Cosmic. Yeah. And previously um, creator of Powerpuff Girls and Wander Over Yonder. Oh, so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, Rob Renzetti, upon whom uh, the voice of Dexter is based. Not his natural voice, but like an in-joke between those guys. <laughs> um, he created My Life as a Teenage Robot. Ah. And here's a fun one. Ruman Petkov, he directed... Bulgarian Treasure Planet. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the biggest one, I think, out of those guys. Yeah. Now, I lived in the States for, for a stint. Yep. And on Cartoon Network, Dexter was kind of the filler <laughs> during that period. Like, if there was any slot that needed to be filled, it would be Dexter's lab. So... I was very so-so on it, probably because of the high saturation and a bias against the way these cartoon, all these Cartoon Network shows kind of look like this, like Dexter's yeah. and Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. And I, I was not really there for it. Mm. But rewatching them now, you know, this is pretty fun. It's all right. Yeah. It's got yeah. some nice heart to it. Uh, gags are hit and miss, but, you know, they, they work. Sure. Um, I think it's better. Ironically, like, it's better when... It's just Dexter's Lab. At early on, it's kind of like a variety show. Yeah, where they have segments called Dial M for Monkey. Yeah, where his monkey sneaks off, or or uh, Justice Friends, mm. which is weird for me to say because they're funny segments. It's just they don't really have legs. Justice Friends is uh, uh, parodies of like the Avengers or the Justice League, but what if they're roommates? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think especially funny one is uh, Val Hallen, who's like a Thor parody. Oh, yeah. Who's got a, who's got a guitar instead of a hammer. Oh, is it like um, Val Halen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Dexter's Lab. Meh. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's hey, I got nothing against it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm giving all these like backhanded compliments, but no, I like it. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's not something that I'm going to sit and watch all of. 
Uh, no. But, like, I watched two episodes of this show, and I was yeah. happy to watch all six segments. It was, uh, it was a fine time. Yeah, so I think that concludes our parody stuff. All right. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's get simple and earnest here. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking, we're going to return to this thing, uh, Toys for Boys. Toys for Boys. Yeah, this is going to be Toys for Boys Reloaded. Oh. Um, yeah, cartoons driven by toy sales. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matsy, <laughs> you like these ones that I made you watch, but I think we can fix that in a hurry. Uh-oh. Um, for you, I would like you to watch the first episode of Mad Balls, Escape from Orb. Well. And if you're a glutton for punishment, you can also watch the short... Mad Balls cartoons from 2017 to 2019. Micah, do you remember early on I said I was living in constant fear of the time when we would both pick the same thing and we tried to get ahead of it by doing the new adventures by, of He-Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me scramble here for something else. Oh my god. Um, 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 oh, we can do something here. Um, uh. Oh, this festering malignancy. <laughs> I think of what my option B was. Oh, I know. Oh, shoot. Oh, oh, actually, I had a plan B. I had a plan B. I got one. Oh, I got one. You? I got one. Are you sure? Because I do have a plan B. I, I also have a plan B. I had one okay. that was in mind before I thought of Mad Balls. Because it's something okay. that I started to watch and decided that I could. I was like, I don't know about this. But now I have an excuse. Visionaries <laughs> and Knights oh, yeah, of yeah. the Magical Light. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's just watch the first episode of that. The Age of Magic Begins. <laughs> wow. All right, cool. Wow. Cool. What a... Whew. <laughs> we could have just doubled down, like... <laughs> let's watch... watch four episodes of Mad let's, Balls. Well, there's only two. <laughs> there, There's only there? two VHS. <laughs> uh, the other one is called... Uh, what was it called? I just... I was just there. Gosh darn it. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, it is, what a mess. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, oh, right. It's in the, it's in the movie section of this website, not the cartoon section. Ah, okay. Um, well, 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 we can cover gross this jokes. Time. We get gross jokes. Yeah. There's, gross jokes. there's two Mad Balls VHSs, Escape from Orb yeah. and Gross Jokes. But okay. we'll watch Escape from Orb and Visionaries. So we're going to, yeah, Escape from Orb. And nobody's ever said this before, but we'll cleanse the palate with visionaries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fun stuff. Um, so we're going to have toys. We're going to have tunes next week. In the meanwhile, all you stalkers, <laughs> tell us what to watch. Tell us what to talk about. Yeah, just don't I'm, say mad pulse. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, what toy did you buy just because of a cool cartoon? Hmm. I am at DrabSwatch on the Twitter. I am at AC Matsy. Tell everybody about the show because we want it to grow and uh, people gots to know about these mad balls that we have, apparently. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I'm going to go play Splatoon 3. Here is the Celery Stalker slogan. I'm Didi, Dexter's older sister who two years ago crashed up in the Volcano Mountain race and was never heard from again. Except I was heard from again, it's just that my dad likes to exaggerate and he got mad because I broke his car and he wouldn't let me race again. Except I had to race again, it was in my blood, so sometimes I stow away in my brother's truck so I can be close to the action and sometimes I secretly race under the disguise of Racer D. But I shouldn't have told you that. I've got 
got a monkey! <laughs>